What is going on, Z community? Welcome to the Personal Finance in Canada show. This is me, your host, Tamara Aziz. And today, we're going to be talking about how you can increase your credit score as a beginner. Now, let me just clarify, when I'm referring to beginners here, I'm talking about someone who's been in the credit game anywhere between a year and up to four or even five years. Now, if you're taking the steps of educating yourself this early in the game, good stuff, because there's a lot that you can do to increase your score. And it's all by taking advantage that you're still new to the credit world. I've come up with different ways that you can actually increase your score within the fastest time possible to make sure that it stays that way for as long as you have credit. Now, just before we start, please consult with a financial professional before making any decisions, because I'm just a nice guy on the internet who's sharing their experiences, and I'm just telling you guys what I've done in the past. Now, the first thing that you can do is apply for as many credit types as possible within the beginning of your credit journey. This may sound a little absurd because you're thinking that this could damage your score big time, but I found that from personal experience, this has actually helped strengthen my credit score big time. It's actually helped my credit score by decreasing my utilization rate. It's also strengthened my credit age in the long run, and it's also increased my credit diversification. Let's dive into these three a little bit more so that you can understand where I'm kind of coming from. Now, when it comes down to decreasing my utilization rate, it's actually done this by increasing my total credit. Now, what I mean by this is by opening up different lines of credit, you will be exposed to different amounts that you can borrow. You may notice that at one point you might get approved for a credit card with a limit of $1,000 and a line of credit for $10,000. And then another credit card would give you $4,000. Now, all of these limits you end up getting will decrease your utilization rate, which is a good thing. This is because your utilization rate looks at the percentage of how much you owe in relation to how much you can use. If you had person A who can borrow up to $10 and then person B who can borrow up to $50, let's look at an example where we have person A and person B. Person A can borrow up to $10 and person B can borrow up to $50. If both of them decided to borrow $5 each, you would have an entirely different utilization rate. For person A, we would be dividing $5 by their total $10 limit. This would give you a utilization rate of 50%. Person B, on the other hand, who also borrowed $5, we would divide this by their total limit of $50. This would end up giving them a utilization rate of 10%. But what I'm trying to highlight here is that both of them borrowed the same amount, but have a difference of 40% in the utilization rate. Now, in general, the lower percentage that you have, the better it is. Always try to aim for that 0% though. Now, looking at the credit age, on the other hand, now when it comes down to opening up a lot of different types of credit, you will be strengthening your credit age. Now, I've actually noticed that my credit age decreased a lot when I was trying to use this tactic. But in the long term, it actually helped me out. Now, Z community, are you finding value from this episode so far? If you are, be sure that you're sharing this with a friend and a family member. And based on what platform you're listening from, be sure you're following and subscribed to the podcast. Now, credit age is the average amount of time that you've had all the types of credit within your file. And with averages, the more numbers there are, the better. Let's bring in person A and person B once again. Person A only has one credit card because their parents convinced them that the credit was an item sent by the devil. Then we have person B who has five credit cards because he's a Z community member. 
If person A has had their one credit card for seven years, the calculation for their credit age is very simple. You just take seven and then divide it by one, which gives that person seven years of a credit age. Now, person B, on the other hand, they have five credit cards. Each of them have an age of nine years, seven years, five years, three years, and two years. To find out what their credit age is, you would have to add these numbers up, which would give you 26 years. This 26 years, you would then divide it by five because they only have five credit cards. This ends up giving you 5.2 years. For person A, you would be adding the credit card that he's had for seven years to one year for the mortgage. And for person B, you would still add one year. All right, so for both person A and person B, we're going to be adding one year each to their credit age. For person A, this gives us seven years plus one year for the mortgage, which is eight years in total. Now, because person A now has two types of credit, you would now be dividing eight by two. This would give person A a credit age of four years. For person B, it's still that same 26 years that we calculated before, but we would be adding one year for the mortgage, now giving us 27 years. Now for person B, because they now have a total of six types of credit, you would divide 27 by six. This gives person B a credit age of 4.5 years. And this is the exact point that I wanted to highlight. Person A's credit age dropped by three full years. And person B's credit age only dropped by 0.7 years. And at the end of the day, person B is the one who's laughing because they now have a higher credit age than person A. Now, if you need to replay this example again, please do, because it's very important to understand. Now, Z community, are you finding value from this episode so far? If you are, be sure that you're sharing this with a friend and a family member. And based on what platform you're listening from, be sure you're following and subscribed to the podcast. The last thing that I noticed by opening up a lot of different types of credit was that it increased my credit diversification. This one is pretty straightforward because the more types of credit that you have, the better it looks on you because your future lenders can get a better idea of how you are with your borrowing habits. Think about it like this. Would you rather loan your money to someone that you know a lot about or someone that you've only heard about like once or twice? Now, credit diversification is huge and because of this, Try to mix up the types of credit that you have within your file. Let's look at an example of this by comparing a credit card, a loan, and a mortgage. Now, this probably won't be realistic until you've got some time in the credit game. But when it comes down to it and you want to take out a mortgage, your lender is going to look at your credit file and look at the different types of credit that you have. If they see that you only have a couple of credit cards with like limits of $2,000 maximum, it won't really give them a clear picture than if they were looking at someone who's got a couple of credit cards, a couple of sizable lines of credit, rent, phone bills, and so forth. By looking at the more diversified person, this will give them a better idea that they are able to handle more financial responsibilities. And this actually gives more peace of mind to a mortgage lender because they'll be more confident that you'll be able to pay off half a million dollars in 15 years. Now, because I always advocate for paying your bills on time, I've actually come up with two strategies that I personally use that might help you out to make sure that you're staying on top of your credit game. Now, the first thing that I can recommend that really is helpful is creating and following a budget. This will give you an idea of how much you make, how much you spend, and it should really put you in the habit of spending less than what you make. I found that this really helped me out because it made me more aware of my spending. For example, when I first created a budget, 
I found out that I was spending $100 to $200 on coffee per month. And I realized how ridiculous this sounded. And I just started making some at home. Like, don't get me wrong, I'll still have the occasional coffee from time to time, but I've cut down how much I spend on it big time. Another tip that I can really give you that has helped me out a lot in the past is holding off on buying something for 10 days. I found that this really helped me a lot because I used to do a lot of impulse spending. Impulse spending is just when you buy things without really giving it any second thought. I know we've all had those moments in time when we've done that. We've looked at something, we said we wanted it, and we went to go buy it without any hesitation. I found that by using this technique after day 10, I'll be in two different mindsets. Either if you didn't want that thing, then chances are it was an impulse spend. But if you did want that thing, then just go out and buy it. Z community, once again, I hope that this provided you with enough insight. And if it did, please make sure that you're sharing it with a friend or a family member so that they also gain value from it as well. And based on what platform you're listening from, be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast. Anyway, Z community, thank you for listening to the Personal Finance in Canada show. This is your host, Tamara Z's signing out. Peace.